Hello, welcome to Fuzzy Concepts again with uh, Steve Rockhausen, myself, Adam McCarthy, and our special guest this week, Emmett O'Brien. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm Long delighted. time friend. Yeah. We were in school together, Emmett. We were, yeah. Sometimes I forget back. about that. Yeah, I, I feel like it's one of these things where we knew each other vaguely then, and then we became much better friends in different contexts. Also, you lived around, you lived close to And me. I lived around the corner from you as well. It was very strange. Yeah. And I used to hang around with Cahill, who you'd know, and it was yeah, always yeah. just, you, you were kind of on, we were, on, we were kind of, if there was a, a Venn diagram, we were at the opposite sides, but then eventually we came in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I always remember as well, there was like a friend of mine, I think you knew her as well, called Grace, that lived around the same area. And we realised one time that we should have met about 50 different times, but didn't yeah. meet till freak scene or something. Yeah, exactly. I do remember like you being mentioned as like, you know, some sort of um, background character that you never see. Yeah, I remember for well, a long Sacramento time, I was or something like that. John's younger brother. And I remember yeah. the day when I finally was free of that moniker. That was when I arrived, like like young Neil in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then Steve, you met Emmett when we were all in college together, in I think. College, yeah. yeah. So you were, yeah, yeah we, you were the year behind me in college as well, Emmett, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, in the uh, radio broadcasting. You were kind of mentors because we used to use the studio. I think we were on a show together. I think we did something. Oh. Did you come on and one... come on to one of our? I think you. I think actually it might have been your first ever. Um, radio might have been your first of... ever go on the CSN FM. Yeah, yeah I have a feeling. I'm... I have a feeling that I screwed you, but I can't remember why or how. Yes, I was about <laughs> to tell the story. Um, you gave me a bunch of news stories, and there was a lot of SARS, the SARS epidemic, which was full of like hard to pronounce names. But you also, um, a footballer. I don't know anything about this, but a football called Nicky Bot. Something happened with Nicky Bot. And I feel like you had written the, the, it to be sort of like, things like they'd squeezed bot out. And I definitely was <laughs> noticing some innuendos as I was reading it. And then you were like, that's just the copy we got. And I was like, mm. <laughs> It was a little too, uh, a little too convenient, but yeah. So that was a trial by fire, that news yeah. report I had to do. Um, but you passed with flame colors. Apparently you taught me everything I knew, I knew to not laugh anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our, our shows tend to do that, kind of not make people laugh. So, yeah. Except for Ryan Gosling. Good. Except for Ryan Gosling, our only fan. Yeah. We hit Dizzy Heights though on iTunes with the, the last couple of episodes. I saw 31. Yeah. 31 in the Irish improv charts. Yeah, out of probably 31. But how many improv, yeah, how many Irish improv <laughs> podcasts are there? Thousands, there must be thousands. Why is it? Uh, I can imagine you tell that to someone, we're number 31 the, in the improv thing, and they say, yes, and? Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's what the reply will be. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, well done. I'm actually glad that you've uh, resurrected Fuzzy Concepts and that it's as, as hazy as ever. I, mean, I think, yeah, we, I think if we ever got actually, yeah, if we ever got actually kind of uh, a rigid kind of format for it we'd be screwed and we give up immediately yeah you know, you know it feels like to me it feels like those times when they started shooting red dwarf on film instead of in live in a studio audience the magic would be would be killed <laughs> it would be gone yeah, yeah. massively yeah yeah well thanks for like especially because the beatles i actually i don't know if you saw this adam but last october for lennon's birthday I, I did something I've been planning to do for years. I listened to the entire Beatles canon in one sitting. Oh, I do day. remember, yeah. Yeah, because I, I read somewhere years ago on a forum that it would take nine to 10 hours, like between nine and 10 hours. It took me about 10 because I think I stopped to have food at one point, but it's actually actively listening to them. It kind of burnt me out a bit for a while. So I'm glad this <laughs> was I like- I imagine it's very, very hard. Yeah, like what happened was, especially, you know, the early albums, which are quite similar, you know, but I think what happened was around the time of, the second side of the white album it all just suddenly like i heard like like jimmy jillikers i'd heard the word love so many times it lost all meaning you know and um <laughs> yeah and i always remember as well the the people complain about yellow submarine being part of the official uh, album canon but um I, that was actually a reprieve for me because a lot of it's just instrumental george martin instrumentals and after hearing so yeah. many Beatles songs in a row i was like yeah it's nice to just hear some music i can kind of ignore a little um so yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, definitely um you're definitely kind of uh you're you're hell bent on doing it though fair play yeah i i, I wanted to do it a few months earlier for abbey road but it's just one of these things i always thought like what would it be like and it's fun but actively listening for like those nine or ten hours 
did get a bit. Yeah. The reviews and that, did they get to a point where you thought, oh God, I've got to do one now on this? Yeah, yeah, I, I was kind of doing capsule reviews as I went. And I definitely, yeah, there's a point where you, like, for example, as well, because as much as I love the Beatles, there's only so much you can say that, like, like eight days a week is kind of similar to I feel fine, you know, like, like there's only so much you can differentiate yeah. between them. But it's funny, some people weighed in and, like, I said about Sgt. Pepper's, but I always thought fixing a hole was really underrated. And someone like commented being like, it's the worst song on the album. And I thought that was interesting getting, like people were very passionate about fixing a hole or not, as the case may be. But, um, and we yeah, look forward like to, you, to you on Paul McCartney's birthday to listen to all his solo and Wings albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Alan Partridge, Wings, the band the Beatles could have been. Beatles could have been. I was, I was actually planning maybe next year I might do all the films in a day or something. Yeah. So that's probably yeah. next year. That mightn't be too bad. Um, there's, one, there's one theory, that a Beatles theory, that just came to me on um, a, a comedy forum I read. And I just found it so hilarious of just someone overthinking something. So basically it was to do with Alan Partridge. And you know when um, he's in the hotel and one of the guys asks him, like, what's his favourite Beatles record? Yeah. And he says, it has to be the best of the Beatles. Some guy, everyone was like accepting the joke as kind of, yeah, he just doesn't know what a Beatles album is, so he just go for the best of the Beatles. Someone else was trying to claim that he was so anal about the Beatles that he was actually Pete Best's album, Best of the Beatles, was his favourite Beatles. <laughs> which, which, which would be like a fun, deep cut if it was yeah. true. But there's no way they could go that in depth for just a two second joke. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although it would be funny. I, I would imagine that Alan Partridge would sort of feel a hard done by in a similar way to Pete Best, you know? Yeah. They were, yeah. They'd do something like that. But yeah. You could see a kindred spirit in him, definitely, I think. <laughs> I, so, I saw an interview with Pete Best recently, and it must be really the thing you don't want to talk about all the time, but it's the only thing you have to talk about. That's the only thing that anyone wants to talk to you about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I kind of, yeah. And he needs the money probably, so he makes money off the interviews. So he's just... yeah. Well, I, I always think of um, Jerry Seinfeld said that, you know, Wayne Knight, you know, Newman, he's like, I've ruined that guy's life. Everywhere that yeah. guy goes, he ruins yeah. Newman. Hello, Newman. And yeah. there's, a, there's, there's a story where Wayne Knight gave out to someone who was having a particularly bad day, and someone said it. It's like that Victor Meldrew thing, no one has ever done this before. <laughs> and then he just lost it with a fan. Like, so, <laughs> the albatross around the neck, definitely. And I think, Adam, you were saying throughout the show tonight as well, since we can't legally play any music because we'll be sued, you're just going to announce the song that you could now hear if you choose to. <laughs> if we were on a radio station, that yeah. So um, if I could find if I could find some knockoff uh, dodgy versions that are just slightly in a different key, I oh, would have so found there must be some Muzak version of the Beatles actually, or something. Yeah, you know, it's are funny. We... I picked up uh, like a, a terrible Beach Boys compilation just um, to have in something in the car, you know, because I didn't want to bring in yeah. the album recently. And all the Pet Sound songs, like it has the rest of them, but all the Pet Sound songs are just instrumental versions. Like it doesn't say it on the box or anything. Like so God only knows I was waiting for the vocal, nothing. It's really weird. Like a con job compilation. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Yeah. They have rights to all the Mike Love stuff, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> That, um, we should move on to the news, I think. Yeah. Oh. So just a quick bit of news. Um, so uh, we'll start off in Canada, which is a place I think we've all been to. Yeah. Um, a Canadian MP has apologised to colleagues after appearing completely naked during a virtual meeting of the House of Commons. William Amos, who has represented the Quebec district of Pontiac since 2015 for the Liberal Party, was seen behind a desk between the Quebec and Canadian flags with what appears to be a mobile phone preserving his modesty. Oh. A screenshot of Mr. Amos's disrobed display was obtained by news agency, the Canadian Press. It was only originally vis uh, visible to par parliamentary members and staffers on an internal video conference feed. In an email statement apologizing for his bare-faced cheek, Mr. Amos described his state of undress as an unfortunate error. My video was accidentally turned on as I was changing into my work clothes after going for a jog. I sincerely apologise to my colleagues in the House of Commons for this unintentional distraction. Obviously, it was an honest mistake and it won't happen again. Raising a point of order, Claude de Belfouel, an, an MP for the opposition Bloc Québécois party, 
suggested a parliamentary decorum requires a male parliament member to wear a jacket and tie and shirt, uh, underwear and trousers at all times. Speaker Anthony Rota has reminded MPs to always be vigilant when they are near a camera and microphone. Uh, you can Google that and you can see the picture if you want. Yeah, if you want to. Why if you want to. Why underwear and trousers? It'll just not be one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, is there something about going commando in the House of Commons? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm always surprised at these stories, because especially with this year, everyone's on Zoom, but there's so many of these faux pas or these accidents. It's like you think, for example, right now, I don't feel so bad that I'm not wearing any pants, but yeah. <laughs> no, but my point being like, being like, you know, cameras, people are using them all the time. You think it's the one thing you have to get right here, just be dressed, like. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. Trying to or at least, some, yeah. Trying to push some dodgy bill through or something was trying to just distract people. <laughs> Distracted. <it. laughs> Still, I have to admit, it gets, it gets people, obviously we, we think of Canada as being quite cold, but we all know that in the summer it gets pretty warm. So maybe, yeah, maybe there is some, uh, he, was, he was just feeling a little bit too, little too warm. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, this, yeah, I think like generally, what's wrong with it? Yeah. It could be a bit distracting. Word. Especially if you shout out, do you want to see my elephant elephant impression before you do it? But I don't see why not. Especially or, if, or if we're talking, I know it's I know it's Canada, but if you want to see the, my my Republican Party impression, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's a funny one though with these things. It's like that cat guy, you know the the guy who was like he filtered that he looked like a cat. And I always wondered, could oh, he just yeah. turned off his screen? Like, I know it's like, you know, like oh. speaking of like cat showed up. Ooh, spooky. Like yeah. um, but like, I was just wondering, could you just turn off the screen? But, you know, yeah. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. I think some people forget that in the panic. Have you actually, have you ever had moments where, not, not nudity or anything, but sort of caught unawares by a camera in that sort of context? Yeah. I, was, I was on a call during the week I was doing a kind of a football thing for someone asked me to come on for a little bit and I had to leave midway through their thing I told them beforehand like that I'd have to go and I'd never done it it was um, on the discord kind of video thing I'd never done before and when I was trying to leave I thought I'd shut it down and <laughs> I could see my camera still on and I could still hear them and I was like I have no idea how to leave this video chat <laughs> 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 I, I think I, I was what I was doing was uh, someone recently um, asked me to to like watch. They were doing a puppet show live from Dublin. Uh, this artist yep. called Marie Denham, and um, actually Burke Quinn and stuff was there as well because I think he was involved somehow. But uh, I was just waiting to be let into the room. Was he one I, of the puppets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was, I was waiting to be let into the room, and I think I was just humming to myself without realizing. Yeah, I think I was humming weird enough all the way to Reno by R.E.M. <laughs> when it was like just 60 people or something. I think that's the closest I've come to that where I was like singing to myself without, without realizing it. So. Yeah, I think I think I think all of us have at some stage have uh, left a mic open on the radio. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we've ever said anything too controversial because generally myself and Steve would, would save the controversial stuff for actually when we were on air. Yeah, 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 yeah. not off air. <laughs> quite boring where the songs were playing what we'd be talking. oh yeah we would we, most of the time i'd say we would just be looking at the computer and say nothing <laughs> and then come back on and come back into something libelous right away i do think though have you, you know that thing where it's like you're you accidentally leave the you don't pull the mic fader down fully so it's more like you're remixing a, a conversation into a track you know yeah exactly yeah and yeah of course there's the, the famous maybe it was the first first one of these uh um of these uh, accidents way before time. But I know you remember this, Emmett. It was um, 2 TV on a Sunday oh, yeah. morning with Dave Fanning. And, and he life. got caught with the mic open, uh, ripping the piss out of Voizone, I seem to remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the end of him. Yeah. Ron Atkinson was the other famous one. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That's one we probably shouldn't go into too much. Yeah, we won't go into detail about that. People can Google that themselves. And one yeah, there was Prince Charles one as well, where he didn't know a mic was on, and some there was some press conference, and a journalist came in and he said to William or Harry, I don't know, 
oh, I can't stand this guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or something like that, you know. I think that's um, the guy who's like the royal correspondent for the BBC. Yeah. And he's the guy who's like the most obsequious and he's the most uh, just like uh, boot-licking uh, journalist when he's talking with the royals and they can't stand him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I remember I remember through TV, there was a few, I remember that, yeah, he was talking over Boyzone, but it was also, there was a few like hiccups when it came to through TV. I always remember this time when, Dave Fanning just was really hungry all day. Like he just kept complaining that he hadn't had his breakfast. And then they brought in like a bowl of fruit or something. And then Bianca Likes was telling this like really long celebrity gossip story or something. <laughs> and the camera cuts back to Dave Fanning and he's just like devouring the fruit basket and he doesn't realize he's on camera. And he's like, I wasn't listening. I always remember that just cracking me up as a kid. Like he's devouring the fruit basket. Like um, that was kind of part of the fun of it though. Um, exactly. You, you know the famous. I, I I saw it recently. It's on very bad quality on um, on on YouTube, and I won't go too much into this into detail for this. But you know, Slash when he was on CD UK, do you remember this? Yes. He starts talking about all sorts of rock star decadence, and then you can see Cat Dealey trying to like wrap it up, yeah, and yeah. then it, it it cuts over to Anton Jack, and they were like, "We're very sorry." And then when Slash was asked, he was like, he didn't realize it was live, and then he was like, oh, "I just thought they were just they could edit me out or something." And then people were like, "Slash, didn't you see it? it was like an audience of like twelve years, like to to your left?" And he's like, "I don't know." They have to learn sometimes. <laughs> what better way? And who better to learn from? Exactly. We'll move on to the next story. Uh, Facebook has been criticised after taking down the official page for the French town of Bitch. Um, Local broadcaster <laughs> Radio Melody reported that the page was taken down, forcing a municipal communications officer to create a new one under another name. Miss uh, Valerie de Goy said the new page was named after the town's postcode, uh, Marie 57230, as reported by Politico. Miss de Goy said... I tried to reach out to Facebook in every possible way through different forms, but there's nothing I can do. Already, we already had issues when I first created the page, but they just won't get back in touch. Another of the, of the communist towns, uh, Roarback Les Bitches, renamed its page Ville de Roback out of caution. In a post explaining the change, the count holder said, far from us, uh, the idea of denying the name of our beautiful village, but Facebook seems to be hunting the term associated with Roarback. We'll let you imagine the reason they added with a winking and laughing emoji. So there you go. Yeah. Have you ever been to Pitch? No, I don't think, no. I, have. I, don't think um, so. I don't think so. We know Zuckerberg uh, watches and listens to this podcast, so maybe he can step in and help him out. He should. I'm assuming, though, there must be loads of towns like this, though, that have iffy names of different languages and stuff. Mm. Are you going to police them all? Like Exactly. Or... Well, there's like the Australian town of... Fucking, is it fucking? Yeah. They've changed their name recently because they were just yeah. sick of the tourists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there two English lads went on a tour of all the weird names in the UK? I think so, yeah. There's like, yeah, there's so many bad. Fingering Ho was one of them, I know. Yeah, yeah, and like Co Cock Lane or something is another one. And you see them on like Facebook, people posting stuff. Um, I guess though, you know, it, like, it's funny because people would probably, I always feel like this will probably help tourism. People will probably want to go to bitch, essentially. I think um, people were stealing the signs for fucking. Yeah. And they were just, they were sick of it. And I just like to point out to any censors, I'm naming the name of the town. I'm not swearing. Yeah. 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 Just like I mentioned a, a rooster previously. Exactly. <laughs> Howard exactly. Stern style. Um, and of course, basically, there's a Swiss football team, which I, I know you know loads about, Emmett. The yeah. Swiss football team called Young Boys FC. And they play at the Wankdorf Stadium. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. So um, um, I know that you're a big fan of the, a big what fan the stadium. <laughs> yeah, what a stadium! But, but that's like, have you ever noticed that thing where, like, like when you watch news reports and stuff, how perfectly sometimes, like, like doctors, like you know, when with the first guy who cloned the sheep, Dolly, he was like Doctor Seed or something. There's always like yeah. these doctors that have like weirdly perfect names whatever the news story is about whatever they're involved in and i feel like That's like definitely someone has to be kind of just saying i oh, will just throw that in that name in there yeah. well you, you've heard you have you seen that youtube clip it's quite controversial now about the um 
was it Fox News or something were were tricked? They were pranked that there was a plane that crashed and it was like oh yeah uh, yeah and it like had uh, Asian names and they were all fake and they complete nobody and the thing is like when you read it out loud you think one person would have caught it they were yeah. like it's like these names sound a little we we gone down or something like that yeah we too we we too low <laughs> like and you think someone would have caught it like yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I remember that. Yeah, I remember the screenshots went around for a long time. Yeah. Um, so that's all the news I have. There wasn't too yeah. much of quality there, so I just thought they were the two best ones. I mean, you can't no, get much was, better was... than a, a naked Canadian parliamentarian and a town named Bitch, yeah. which was the original name nudity. for uh, the jam song I, yeah. I've heard. We, we got nudity and profanity. I mean, what else? What else do the people want? That's what we promise, and that's what we give to people. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on then to what the episode is about, really, which is about um, conspiracy theories with the Beatles. And I know Adam, yourself, and Emmett know some of the uh, the bigger, well-known theories. <clears throat> Give a cough there, sorry, people. For anyone, it's it's, it's it, but um, it's a it's a great internet wormhole to go down. I it think. is, yeah. But I have some theories that fans have come up with that uh, I don't know. Maybe you've heard of these ones. Maybe you haven't. Um, but we'll see. I'm going to start with... Let's go for it. You're going to go into... I assume you're going to go into the Paul is dead theory at some stage. Yeah. yeah. But this theory is not Paul is dead, but in fact, Paul is the original, the only original member who has not died and been replaced. So this theory comes from a University of Virginia student, Chris Fischel, uh, from 1994. He said Ringo Starr was the first to die in 1963, then Harrison in 64, and finally John Lennon in 65. He's Ringo not, always gets the short straw, like always. He's not making wild accusations, he says, as he has proof. So here's some of his proof. In 1963, on the, on the front cover of With the Beatles, Ringo's face is not in line with those of the other uh, Beatles. Clearly a clue, he says, that Ringo on this album is different from the others. Obviously, he had died between the first two albums and been replaced. <laughs> wow. Uh, that, that was very early for them to, like... Yeah. Ship in a new Ringo. Yeah. Then on 1964, on the cover of A Hard Day's Night, George is the only Beatles with his back to the camera in any of the photos. And he's the only one with a cigarette, which he says indicates a coffin nail. These are signals that George had died. And in 1966, on Revolver, John, number two, after John had died, sings, I'm only sleeping. Sleep is, of course, a metaphor for death. Um, in 1967, then, in but, but he's singing it. <laughs> he's singing it. He's singing it. Yeah. I do. I do. I do I like. Do like what this, I do like though is that true. his his theory is almost right. Yeah, but he's because Paul McCartney is almost the last one alive. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. true. But he is saying it's John Number Two was singing it about the other. Oh, John. sorry. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about John, John Number Two. John Number Two, the John they replaced the original John with. And then John number two in Strawberry Fields says, I buried Paul, which they say, which he says at first might suggest that Paul has joined the other three Beatles in dying. However, earlier John two sings, nothing is real, which shows that his latter comment is not real. So right. it's a red herring to throw you off the trail. Man, I have to say, I'd have, I'd, have to have serious, I'd have to have serious concerns with the Beatles security team. <laughs> yeah, they all died. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, one, I know, one, one is careless. Two is like three, <laughs> though. And one, I know, I know those crowds, those Beatlemania crowds were nuts, like, but they didn't literally <laughs> tear them apart. Yeah, I, I like the idea that this is like this is proof, like, yeah. out of context lyrics. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, it get, they get weirder. This one is that the Beatles are characters that have been played by many different actors over the years. Um, I couldn't find out who came up with this theory first because a lot of people have been talking about it. Um, they were never just four ind individual people known as John, Paul, George and Ringo who comprised the Beatles and rose to fame as the world's first supergroup, it says. But for all intents and purposes, as far as we can tell, no such one group ever existed. Their evidence is based on the Beatles appearing to be shorter or taller as the years went on. Some members who were left-handed suddenly being right-handed and not to mention what they say is the most obvious reason of all, Paul has had very different eyebrows over the years. <laughs> all in the eyebrows. <laughs> That's yeah. it. They're, they're hinging it all on Paul's eyebrows over the years. Raised eyebrow. Um, when, who's, who's changing hands from left to right? I, don't I have know. no idea. There, there, is, there, is, 
there is something I, I, I've noticed I, in, in my research, it's like on the cover of Abbey Road, which we'll get to later as apparently yes. the Rosetta Stone of uh, Paul is yeah. dead, but uh, Paul is holding a cigarette in his right hand and people are like, mm. well, he's left-handed. That's one of those key clues there that they, they highlight. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's, it's a case of like, like Billy Corgan is left-handed when he writes and he plays guitar with his right hand. Like okay. these things are all interchangeable, you know. Yeah. But I, I, did, I did fall down a rabbit hole of seeing side-by-side -side pictures of the Beatles as they were changing over the years and people like that nose isn't right and stuff. So I've definitely seen <laughs> yeah. something along those along these lines. Yeah. Um, the third one, I've got five of these, is that the Illuminati created the Beatles to control the youth and reshape their personalities with soft drugs. Um, this one comes from Dr. John Coleman, who's conspiracy theory royalty, really. He loves the Illuminati ones. He claims the Committee of 300 and the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations engineered the American media to declare them the top of rock and roll mountain before they had climbed it. The editor's note at the top of the long article warns, uh, people are sentimental about the Beatles will find it hard to believe that they were pumped up and used by the Illuminati to introduce soft drugs among middle-class American youth. Uh, Dr. Coleman has long been an advocate for the existence of the Committee of 300, who allegedly founded by members of the British aristocracy in the 18th century, is a group often brought up by him and other conspiracy theorists, and has since controlled decisions in all aspects of civilization, from pop culture to politics. The Tavistock Institute is, publicly no, is a publicly known British charity founded in 1947, but conspiracy theorists believe the Institute's real purpose is similarly to engineer the world's culture. So he doesn't give a lot of what, what, what was what was their end game with, with the Beatles project to, to get people all turned on and yeah, I suppose drugs, like get people to, into one end. get the middle classes into soft drugs. I don't know why. Yeah. Make them easier to control or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. Why make well, it, why make marijuana legal then? Yeah. If they're controlling yeah. everything. Yeah. It's not they figured. We could make illegal, or we could just use a fake band to do it for us. Exactly, <laughs> and, have and have to get a team of writers yeah. to change style over time. Yeah, that, That's one of the things I've always loved about these about these things, where it's like, if yeah. Paul was replaced, or if the three other members were replaced, it's handy that they replaced the people who were just as, as good songwriters as the originals. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, it's a good yeah. thing that, that Paul McCartney replacement was just as, just as talented. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> but that's it. The Illuminati yeah. leave no stone unturned when it, when it comes to these things. Um, <laughs> then there's this one guy who claims the Beatles conspired to kill their original drummer, Pete Best. It comes from a guy called L Gunblade, which I don't think is his real name. And despite claims of it to be our producer, Phil, we can confirm it's not him. I asked him today, was it him? I don't know. It's not. Anyway, the story goes, a customer at the Beatles hangout, the Grapes in Liverpool, overhears a conversation after the band's Cavern Club appearance that night. When drummer Pete Best leaves the room to urinate in the alley, John Lennon, George Harrison and Paul McCartney discuss the possibility of getting Pete out of the band. John dislikes his haircut. Paul hates how he's getting all the girls, while George states that he's glad they want to get rid of someone in the band other than himself. The wheel is set in motion, and apparently from an unpublished George Harrison memoir, the plan was to rig his drum kit to explode. And uh, yeah, I was saying here, maybe the writers of Spinal Tap had read this unpublished memoir and they only <laughs> know the truth. If you were trying to kill someone off and not put yourself in danger, <laughs> why would you rig up a drum kit on the stage of the Cavern Club where it's tiny? I, I also like the idea that, um, you know, it's like if he drums a certain amount that goes okay. over BPM, a certain BPM. amount of number of BPM, it'll blow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they sped up um, She Loves You or whatever, like, um, yeah, wow. Like, you think there, there is that thing, Pete Best has always said in a self-aggrandizing way that it was the girls was a big part of, he was too popular. And apparently yeah. John Lennon in particular had it out for him straight away when he was, yeah. when he realized he was the most popular member of the band. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you, ha you have to say though, like if the drummer is the most popular, then your, your band is in trouble, really. Yeah. That's there, true. There you go. The last one I have is a strange one because the guy who came up with it, I'll go into it. <laughs> actually, did, these are no, all, this one is strange, Emmett. This one is strange. The others are, you know, strange. Oh, but yeah. this one is different in that the guy who came up with it, you'll see here now in a second. The Beatles have been purposely hiding songs 
apparently that they'll release if they ever need money. It says, have you ever heard the songs Colliding Circles, Left is Right and Right is Wrong, Deck Chair and Pink Litmus Paper Shirt? These are the songs that have apparently been hidden away in the Apple Records vault. A British teenager named Martin Lewis was the source of this theory in 1971 when he included extra track names on a Beatles bootleg he sent to a magazine. Since then, he has confessed that the whole thing was a hoax. But Beatles fans haven't taken his word, claiming he's lying. And in an interview with USA Today, Lewis explained, to my shock and horror, many Beatles fans refused to believe me. People told me your confession is a hoax. I know someone who's got those songs. So he said he's letting the cat out of the bag again. There are no songs. But, uh, you know, can we trust them to be lying or to tell the truth about lying, rather? The Illuminati got them. So yeah. he's the guy that came up, the guy that came up with the conspiracy theory, admitted it's a hoax, but people don't believe him that it's a hoax. Don't believe him. <laughs> and also, I bet the songs are, um, they were mostly written by Pete Best, so the Beatles are trying to yeah. 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 find them away so that he wouldn't get yeah. the royalties. They legally, he legally couldn't release them on the best of the Beatles. That's it. Yeah. So the, those it all, songs it all are, ties together. Pink lip. It does. It does shirt. bring you back to um, fond memories of uh, pre-internet times when you'd be looking at various CDs and things, and you'd see various B-sides and. Yeah. Especially when, if you're going to a gig in Dublin, you go to Rainbow Records on the keys yeah. there in Dublin, yeah, and you'd see yeah. all the bootleg live stuff or B-sides, and you had all these mythical songs that you'd yeah. heard about from reading magazines. Yeah, yeah. I I, I remember I used to always check the uh, REM section, and I don't know why, because it was always like I had them all. And then as I was checking in Bison Scribes one day, there was a dead letter office that had like a, diff a slightly different cover, and I was like, what's this? And then when I picked it up, there was a four extra songs, live versions of songs. Yeah. And one was All the Right Friends, which is a song they, they hadn't released. They, they eventually released it on Vanilla Sky soundtrack. But I was like, oh my God, am I going to buy this for the four extra songs? And I did. <laughs> you did. You did. You get them. Well, you yeah. had to. You had to hear it. Like, yeah. I love, I love things like that. Like I, I once tracked down demos for the Smashing Pumpkins once mm. from eBay back in the, the, the nascent days of that. And I got it. I was so excited. And I've listened to it once because there's a reason they were demos and not finished. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I have memories of being in Montreal and spending a lot of time going around to um, various record shops, picking up uh, the singles, Smashing Pumpkin singles. Yes. That was, uh, uh, apart from getting the big box set in um, the Airplane Fly Sci, that was the only way to kind of get the B-sides. So I remember yeah. going shop to shop and eventually finding find these singles. And I was I was quite obsessive when I was younger about trying to get everything that a band had released. So yeah. I definitely tried to I, move a blur. Yeah. I was the same, like complete completist. Yeah. Like good job you're not like that now because they don't have to take advantage these days. Oh, uh, with about 15 different versions of it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, and in, in, in the States as well, they release different like different shops of different bonus. You get like yeah. a Best Buy version, all this stuff. Yeah. It's nuts, like. Nuts. Um, but uh, yeah, so but, those were the theories. And of course, one of those songs that he claims that is the hoax, but others say isn't, is uh, left is right, and then brackets right is wrong. So, you know, that could be a song with clues all over the place. The Dead Beatles. That, that, that's left wing, right wing <laughs> propaganda. <what> that <laughs> Actually, I know, I'll just ask you, like, what, what cured you of your completist thing? I think it might have been um, that Smash and Pumpkin thing for me where I just went, oh, I don't think I need everything now. No, I think I, I think what didn't help either was that I was DJing a lot at the time as well. So I would be picking up CDs all the time just for library stuff, really, just for when I was DJing in various pubs. And yeah, I'd have my set, my set favorite bands and I'd, you know, pick up whatever I could of theirs. Just felt like, I don't know, it just felt like I, I just had that in me. And what cured it, I, I would say... Um, moving house, yeah, and I because I really did. I had I had about 1200 to 1500 CDs, I think, towards the end, yeah. waiting for, for rest to release a new album. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm waiting. I'm a completist for rest, and I'm gonna wait for that. Um, but yeah, and I, I basically I had to move around two or three times very quickly. Yeah. Uh, this was after I'd lived in Canada and came back, and I just I vaguely remember, I remember. A lot of my CDs were in uh, Paula's house, um, and she kept them for me for a long time. But I had no space to put them where I was. And eventually, she—I think she messaged me and she said, "Look, I'm leaving the house here, and 
what do you want to do with the CDs? And there was no way I could take them. So I just said, I had to do, just had to kind of say, yeah, fine, do what you want with them. So I think a couple of housemates went through, took what they wanted, and then they gave the rest off charity, which led to me finding a couple of signed I, I, I was, social scene records. In I was the there when you found them in the charity Which I bought back for, uh, just, for my, just for myself. And I was do one, have them somewhere, but I don't, I don't have them on display. They're just... Was one of them signed or something? I remember you. Yeah, there's a couple one. of them were signed at gigs yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I was with you that when we made that discovery. <laughs> I said, "Hey, wait a minute." <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was it, and that that did cure me. I think I was just after that. Then I realised I didn't need them, and I suppose like the inventions of iPods and eventually Spotify and yeah, all these it, things it's, kind it's of nice helped. Have physical, it's nice to have physical. It is. Media, I do. But it, I do yeah, miss the, the sensation of getting something, bring it home, opening it up, looking at the inlay card. I just love look. I one of my favorite things about buying albums was the album art. Yeah. Just absolutely loved album art. Um, and, I just love uh, liner notes as well. Just like yeah, exactly. Like even yeah. just reading personnel, like you, you discover yeah. some bizarre people in the background, like yeah. Um, and uh, so I do miss that somewhat, but um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just space really and constant moving. I think if uh, if I didn't if I was still in a house I'd probably still have them, but uh, I I haven't missed them, which is probably the main thing. Yeah, Even yeah. The I see stuff. you. Like I have a bunch of I have like a home office here, and it's just now a storage thing for books and CDs, pretty much. Yeah. Like, yeah. And what but, about uh, when you were making your own CDs then, uh, your own mix CDs? Did you do the inlay cards yourself? Your own your own notes. I, I did. Yeah, but... I did. I've done that a few times. Um, Mainly, I would do it, well, uh, my uncle, who's, uh, my uncle Stephen, who's uh, kind of same age, around the same age as me, um, he had a sideline in the 90s of just making fake versions of, uh, I should really say this, um, <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't sell them, he, uh, he, he kept them for record, record, record purposes. Yeah, um, he, he gave them away he, he made... and other people chose to give him birthday presents of cash. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But but he used to make his own special kind of um I remember there was you know the the football sticker books that you could get. Yeah. Like the panini. And yeah. one of them was like this very flashy silver kind of card paper. And he basically cut that out and made that the cover of like some Oasis compilation that he made. And he'd he'd go into Melody Maker or NME, cut out the logos. And like glue them on, so it looked semi kind of serious. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but he definitely did not sell them to our no, friends. Definitely, no, he just gave absolutely. them away. Presents? Absolutely not. Um, and the odd time I do, <laughs> and the odd time I do, um, our mutual friend Kate Emmett, um, I make her mixes from time to time, and I generally will make the effort with her to get little bits of information because she likes to find out about the band. So I put a little bit of information and. Find some dodgy picture off the internet to put on the front of the CD or something like that. I remember years ago, um, a, a friend of mine, Alita, gave me a mix CD and she, she didn't give me any information. She wanted me to figure out, like, okay. you know, do, do homework, right? But one, like, two of the tracks were instrumentals and I was just like, like what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, to this day, I still don't know who that is. Like, you know. Song um, with guitar noises. Into yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's really funny. Lot of years ago, my friend Michael Deneen made me. Uh, he made me. Uh, the, he he burned the first copy. Uh, the first Apple to Stereo album he gave to me. And for some reason, I don't know. I think it might have been just a glitch or something. But the song "Butterfly" by Weezer, you know, the last song off Pinkerton, was just yeah. put in halfway through the album. And I was like, I, I knew it as I heard it. I was like, but to this day, I, I associate that song with a completely different album. So <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the beauty of mix CDs. They're like. It often reminds me of the old adverts for the um, compilation CDs you could get, you know, the best drive time album. And, all this. and I remember you'd see them so much that the songs, they would bleed into each other that you'd actually become used to it. And if you listen to the song by itself, it would sound totally weird. Yeah, it's like that. I live on somehow I'll find my way home. Yeah, the same thing with me with Umbrella to High Ho Silver Lining. Like, I think that's the chorus of that song. Like, it's funny as well, um, I used to always, whenever I used to make mixtapes in particular, if I had like a sliver that I wasn't sure how much was left, I'd always put the same song that I knew was pretty short on it. So I'd put like oh, yeah. Alison by the Pixies or Anyone Can Play Guitar by, by Radiohead. Oh, yeah. 
and I got so used to like knowing the anyone can play guitar. You know the the, the kind of weird um, uh, static that starts that song. I was once in a nightclub like John O'Leary, and I heard it, and I was just like, "It's anyone can play guitar." And it was before it started because <laughs> I just heard that brief like constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's great though. I, I do mix the I do miss the world of mixed CDs though. It's kind of yeah. those mm. kinds of compilations were nice. It's very easy to make playlists now and just share them with people, but there's less. Is less love goes into it, I guess, or I don't know. Yeah, effort. you just yeah. type in the name of the song that's there. Yeah, whereas yeah. before you'd be like, and you know, like the old time with the tapes, you'd be like practicing, you know, mm -hmm. make sure your handwriting is perfect. <laughs> and if you spelled, you know, if you spelled deaf tones wrong, you'd be like, ah, shit. <laughs> yeah. I remember like a, a mutual friend of ours, Adam as well, Aoife Barry, gave me an Elliot Smith compilation cassette tape. I think I still have. It was, I think it was just all a bunch of different things from like, a bunch of different albums like uh, Figure Eight and either or yeah. combined, but I still remember I still have that Elliot Smith compilation, um, which is great. Yeah, you would like you would keep onto them. I had a lot of them that I kept onto for a long time as well. Like you know, just and yeah, they do become like you know sometimes you because you might have got into the bands otherwise, so you'd start listening to them, but you'd still keep the mix tape because it's it's a personal thing. I think. How do we get onto this from the Beatles? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. well, no, I, actually, I was I was about to, I was about to segue back to the Beatles, right? With yeah. what's interesting about the Beatles as well is that you know that whole thing where singles weren't on LPs at the same time as well. So many Beatles compilations do not give you a flavor of the album stuff at all. No, you no. just know the singles. You don't get a real hint of it. But okay, well, the most famous um, Beatles conspiracy theory, I guess, is the. Um, very like it's it's known to the mainstream as the Paul is dead um, yeah. phenomenon theory and basically the origin of this was in 1966 during a, a particularly contentious uh, recording session Paul McCartney was also stormed out angrily drove his car uh, got involved in an accident and got decapitated very lurid oh, stuff totally mm -hmm. but the weird thing is, is that Paul McCartney did storm out of sessions during Revolver the song it's well it's well documented that during the song she said she said he got into a big argument about his bass so they replaced, so someone else, someone else is playing bass on that. McCartney's not on um, that track. So you can sort of like a little bit sort of like find some sort of reality into it that he did storm out and he was angry. But anyway, he, this led to him dying. Uh, different theories about, one is that the MI5 got involved because they were, they were upset. They were worried that the people would be so upset by um, the audience would be distraught that they were like, we need to find someone to replace them. Then another <laughs> man called Frank Labor said that it was an orphan that looked freakishly like McCartney named um, Will William Campbell Shears, or Billy Shears, as he was Billy known. Billy Shears. Yeah. yeah. And um, they, 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 they put him in to, to replace McCartney. As I said, though, it's handy that, you know, he was as good a singer, good as bass player, good a songwriter as, as McCartney. What did McCartney's family think of this? You know, what did Jane Asher think of this? Yeah. All, these, all these questions. But, and how um, convenient this guy was an orphan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and nobody else came across the crash except for MI5 <laughs> in the middle of London. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's like that thing you know, it, it bothered Ted, like everyone involved with that mysteriously died in the same accident. <laughs> um, so the, the main there's the number of like reasons for why this theory kind of took hold. Um, a lot of people say that was like Vietnam and and distrust of the government in general mm. and looking for conspiracy theories yeah. in, in youth culture. But all the kind of um, those back masking secret messages. So, for example, you mentioned earlier, Steve, um, Paul is, I buried Paul at the end yeah. of Strawberry Fields. Now, the thing is, they said that he's saying, that Lennon has claimed that he's saying the words cranberry sauce, but yeah. it's been flipped backwards, right? Yeah. But when you listen to it, and I listened to Strawberry Fields before yeah. we started, um, it really does, I buried, it does sound like I buried Paul, regardless of the intent. <laughs> yeah. It sounds very similar to it. And then Lennon really loved messing with people. Like he just, um, I, I said that uh, for, the, for the song, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, he accidentally said two feet small. They said, oh, will we do that again? And he said, no, the pseudo intellectuals will love it. Then he wrote that song, <laughs> Glass Onion, that had all yeah. these like self-mythologizing stuff. Um, the walrus with Paul and stuff. So then it was all the pictures. Now you said earlier that in Hard Day's Night, um, Harrison has his back. Yeah. The, 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 but like McCartney, it's really strange. McCartney is the person who has the most weird things on Beatles covers. Like there's one where they're all holding roses, some compilation in, in an American release. He's holding a black rose, so people took that. Yeah. He has his back turned on the famous Sgt. Pepper's picture. Yeah. 
barefoot in the Abbey Road picture. So it is odd how McCartney was always yeah. different to the rest of them. Well, he like, was the new guy in the band. He was the new guy. After they were, they were, they were, <laughs> you know, they were, they were hazing the new guy. You can't yeah. wear shoes in this hot yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> but wasn't it that the Abbey Road cover, it was the way they were dressed as well, I think. Was Lennon, Lennon was at the front in a big Lennon, white suit. The clergyman. Preacher. Yeah, yeah, preacher. And then, and then um, Ringo, Ringo's the undertaker because he's wearing all oh, black. Oh, yeah, because he's wearing a kind of a black kind of suit. Yeah. Yeah. And the then Paul. Yeah, and, and then, then George uh, Harrison's wearing denim, which they say is a grave digger's outfit. The grave digger, yeah. Again, though, was that just what they were wearing randomly at the time? Like, you know that the original thing for Abbey Road was, it was supposed to be called Everest, and they were meant to take a photograph at Everest, and then the band <laughs> were so, like, annoyed with each other that they were like, how far would you be willing to go outside of, like, Everest? And they were like, Abbey Road is as far as we're willing to go. That's why that <laughs> so, album is called that. Outside the door of Abbey Road. <laughs> yeah. So, like, um, I do love the idea, though, that you can find, there's a great Ringo Starr quote when all this was reaching fever pitch. He said, there's no way we can prove he's still alive. <laughs> it's a wonderful quote. Um, other things on the, on the um, Abbey Road cover, though, was uh, the, the famous uh, Volkswagen Beetle uh, yeah. license plate. There's 28 IF or 28 yeah. IF. Yeah. And, and, and conspiracy theorists say that he would have been 28 at the time, yeah. but that's actually not true. If you do your maths, he would have been 27. Yeah. Ah, so. yeah, 28 IF. Yeah. And then there's also a police car sort of ambulance thing in the back, but that was yeah. literally one of the guys who actually had to like cordon off the street so the Beatles could take the picture. Yeah. He just left his vehicle in the background. Like there's no- <laughs> There's you know, no, there's no big over, over our- That's what they experience. want you to think. That's exactly. <laughs> like, the thing, like I always wondered about like, is it a case that like McCartney's actually my favorite Beatle, but I guess he he lacks the edge of the others in some ways. Mm. So is this just a thing that took hold because of him to almost give Maka something, some sort of mystique? Because he's he's the least mysterious of them, or whatever. Like <laughs> Lennon is the angry poet. True. Harrison, yeah. Yeah, the, like Ringo Starr is like the kind of buffoonish one. Uh, George Harrison's the spiritual one. What does Maka have? You know. Yeah. Um, and there is, of course, that, that big thing of the Paul is Dead thing is like, how could the guy who wrote yesterday also write the Frog Chorus? Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, yeah, <laughs> and all Mullick the solo stuff. Mullick, <laughs> Mullick What was the awful Irish kind of uh, sympathy song that he did? Ireland for the Irish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, I, actually, I actually bought McCartney 3 for Christmas and yeah. uh, parts of it are pretty good, but there's a song called Lavatory Lil as well, which is not he always good. has a song called something like that. Yeah, yeah. And you're something always like, like, oh, God. But to be fair, this, um, fake, but, this fake guy has been playing music for a long time. He's bound to be good <laughs> by now. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a guy, uh, Frank Labore, who he wrote one of the most famous articles about the Paul is Dead phenomenon. And um, he, was, uh, he was invited onto a, a television show. And he admitted as they were making the TV show, he was like, I just wrote it as a piece of satire. And then they said to him, we have an hour to fill. So you better just go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a massive kind of like cottage industry of like Beatles fanzines and kind of unofficial bootleg yeah. uh, magazines and stuff. And that I, I think a lot of it came from that as well, that they just were looking for stuff to fill the magazines. Yeah. And so they'd have, yeah. you know, Paul is dead exclusive kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 it's just funny to me because, like, I wonder has has someone charted like was there a way was there a change in style between? Because obviously, like, a lot of the reasons why people took hold of this as well was it happened at, during the making of Revolver, which was when the band stopped touring as well. They became oh, yeah. a studio bound thing, yeah. and then also Sgt. Pepper's. Then they were a completely different band headed by a guy called Billy Shears. So yeah. like, um, yeah, and, and apparently. Um, the Beatles, uh, the, the, the the theory about why the Beatles were leaving clues were they felt so guilty about deceiving their fans and this was the only way they could do it without MI5 getting wind of it. Uh, uh, so leaving their clues. Well, that's one of my Just theories earlier the says, what about Paul's eyebrows? Did they change <laughs> over the years? He lost the fight with the Shears. That's, what... that's it. <laughs> um, 
I just I like I actually I love like I I love things like this because isn't there like um a few years ago there was a similar Avril Lavigne lookalike? Oh, yeah. oh they were saying that yeah. Been replaced, yeah. Yeah, by by a lady called Vanessa something, and she's asked about it quite frequently. Um, yeah. But it was it was based on like pictures of her, and then. But again, it's like different. it's like the Ringo starting, like you said, you can't prove. <laughs> like they didn't like it. There's no way of really proving it other than saying I'm not dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I suppose which, the which only thing I could say to that, that in favor of that theory is like, would Avril Levine really marry the guy from Nickelback? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Release that terrible Hello Kitty song, like the Nadir of over. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um and then there was there's something else as well. There's another um, oh, of course, yeah, the Melania Trump thing. There's a whole, yeah. Yeah, the oh, whole other thing with that. that. That was the other thing as well. Um, I, I think you literally, you could speak about like these conspiracy theories for hours and hours and Good. hours. Just constant. There's always something new coming out. Oh, it's always about people leaving clues for yeah. some reason. Yeah, I also feel as well that anything you want to help with the narrative, you'll find it. Like, like, McCartney having a black rose in a photograph was probably just a random decision they made yeah. on the day. Yeah, yeah. And now it's yeah. cosmic, cosmically significant. Like, there we go. Um, but so, so anyway, yeah, the, the, the combination of like, people said as well that Lenin kept keeping it going. Like he kept facilitating the, 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 the like with, with clues like glass onion and stuff. But I just, yeah, I love the idea that um, the man who replaced McCartney could also end the Beatles. Like McCartney was the one who broke up the Beatles. Yeah. Um, so they, they gave that Billy Shearer's a lot of power there. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, maybe it was also, like, you know, we're breaking up now. And if we don't, I'm going to out the truth. End your careers. <laughs> I love the idea that he held a gun to their head like that, you know. Um, <laughs> I do like the idea of a Shearer's one, two, and three album, though. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just like what I think is so great. I, I do love the idea that there's bands that you can sort of like attribute so much lore to, like their, their body of work is so. There's another thing as well that Magical Mystery Tour, he's wearing a different thing to the rest of them as well um, on the cover of that. And every single thing has been. Oh, at, at the back of Abbey Road, actually, the background, the back picture as well on the sleeve is very important as well because there's a shadow over it says, you know, Beatles Abbey Road. Oh, yeah. It's done like a street sign, and there's a kind of an odd shadow, and people are like, if you squint or if you really wanted to, you could see the Grim Reaper in it. So, <laughs> That's a bit much. It's a mysterious shadow. Yeah. I um, do like those. They, they do. They do play up to it. I know. Um, I was only recently watching. For some reason, I just got George Harrison recommended on my YouTube, so I was watching the video for when we was fab, that yeah. kind of fan service Beatles song that he made, and Ringo's in it. And he wanted to get Paul McCartney in it as well. Uh, and Paul McCartney wasn't available. So Paul suggested just get a guy wearing a walrus outfit. And so basically they got the outfit from um, from I Am The Walrus, where <laughs> the walrus. And it's just basically, yeah, Paul McCartney said, just tell him it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that idea, though. It's like, did you see that film, um, A Ghost Story, uh, from a few years back? No, I don't think um, I have. Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. It's about like a guy who dies, but then he just is in the rest of the film as, as under a sheet. It's a very minimalist indie film. But apparently Kesha is in it. There's another ghost that they meet, but it's just people under sheets. So it could literally be anyone. It could, it could be but, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But they were like, <laughs> Kesha's like, that is me. So I just thought that's kind of funny. Like, um, <laughs> there we go. I do think like one of the things I love about yeah. the Beatles, as Three. I was saying earlier, was like just how much lore you can attribute to them. But sometimes it goes way too far. Like yeah. I have a book, Revolution in the Head. It's great by Ian McDonald, but it basically tells you the exact time John Lennon and Yoko Ono consummated their affair. And I remember like closing the book, being like, "That's enough Beatles for today." Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm always reminded of this terrible um, made-for-TV movie called the Linda McCarthy Story, um, where it charts her relationship with with Paul. Uh, I, I didn't notice, but she was like a, a, a photographer, a musician, yeah. uh, like a musician photographer before that like before meeting him that's how they met and um did all these sorts of affairs and there's a, like you know with musicians throughout the years and there's a bit where you're getting into like an argument her and paul and he's like i bet you wish i was more like jim morrison it's like screw jim morrison and she's like i already did 
<laughs> and then they showed the recording of um let it be with the tensions and it obviously it's like a made for tv movie and i feel like it's all simplified so like at one point john lennon sort of like walks up to mccartney and he's like Oblady, oblada, I think your song is rubbish. And I was like, I'm sure that's not what happened. Like, I'm sure Lennon was a bit more imaginative. <laughs> and then my favorite bit, though, is that they're Surely. listening to and, and all, everyone's there in the studio, including Yoko. So they're saying, and they're all just sitting there listening to play, like, and then Yoko stands up. And like, the acting's pretty bad. And she just goes, I think John's song is better than Paul's. And I was like, she did not. <laughs> <laughs> that's so she might have. <laughs> But I, I just, I always think of it as like the most cartoony, um, disc, or you know, portrayal of, of of the relationship of the Beatles. You know, I always think about it whenever I'm thinking about the Beatles. I love it. So, you know. <laughs> I think your song is rubbish. That's just yeah. Whoever wrote that should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> it's one of the worst lines in cinematic history. I would. It's well, okay. actually, we are we are getting. Uh, is it Peter Jackson doing a big Beatles film? Oh, yeah. like, he's gotten all the archives yeah. of yeah. Let It Be. So maybe so, we'll find out. Yeah, maybe, maybe Yoko was exactly. just <laughs> as, as obvious and as unsubtle as that. Yeah. yeah. It's not like Yoko to make a scene. I don't think so. But you know what? I, I hope the Paul is Dead thing ironically never dies because it's such yeah. a weird. <laughs> Brilliant conspiracy. It is, yeah, it is. But as long as, like, you know, when when uh, Paul eventually does go, that people yeah. don't start like trying to break into the funeral, saying it's not him. Uh, yeah. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Uh, should they probably just replace him again? Or someone should leave flowers saying, uh, "Rest in peace, Billy Shears." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that they just, yeah, you know, they just keep Paul McCartney will never die. So just be yeah. another Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Great. So there we go. There we go. There we go. I um, will fire into the horoscopes before we wrap up the show. Um, Do these ones. Um, we're all right, Harry. They're kind of all right, I suppose. Depends what star sign you are, I suppose, as with every week. Um, so we'll start with Aries. With the lifting of restrictions on the way, you will once again get to travel, mostly in the boot of the car guy you owe money to, though. That's me, I'm Aries. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, Taurus, after another failed coup <laughs> attempt, maybe it's time to accept maybe people just don't like you. Oh. Gemini, avoid making big financial decisions this week as the extreme pain you're in from the accident will likely affect your judgment. Good solid advice there. Cancer, your world is turned upside down this week when you learn the guy you've been getting or paying for karate lessons rather isn't the real Bruce Lee. Oh, there was, there was a lot in that sentence. There was a lot of narrative packed into that there. <laughs> Leo, being smart, intelligent, fun to be around and unbelievably handsome isn't all it's cracked up to be. So at least you have that going for you. Um, Virgo, you have an upturn in fortune next week, but given the days that come before it, it would be near impossible to get worse. Libra, you attempt to break a, a new stunt record uh, next week, while the stars can't reveal if you make it or not, they do agree with the medics that it was fairly quick and painless and you likely didn't suffer. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, Scorpio, pretty, yeah. we don't know if it's gods interfering in your life, the movement of the stars and alignment of the planets, or if people just always find you getting hit in the nuts funny no matter what the cause. Man getting hit by groin is an Oscar-winning <laughs> film. Yeah. Sagittarius, if you are the type of person who believes in coincidences, then you have nothing to worry about when medical professionals name a new flesh-eating virus after you this week. Um, Capricorn, just your luck. It's just your luck this week when of all the people the boss could fire, it's the one person who will hold a homicidal grudge against everyone who works for the company. No luck. I um, work from home. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have your dress. Aquarius, nothing really changes for you this week unless you're one of those overly sensitive types who thinks their house burning down is a big deal. Uh, Pisces, you come to a crossroads in your life, but don't dwell on which path to take for too long. Ultimately, they both lead to you falling off that bus. 
So there you go. <laughs> there we go. So wonderful horoscopes as always. Thank you, Steve. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a, we have a new special guest by the looks of it. Yeah. We have a brand we new do. special guest. Uh, Willow. Yeah. Oh, Willow. Uh, a, a wings fan though, so she's, she's kind of avoiding <laughs> most of it. Yeah. Um, she's all she's so, Stuart Sutcliffe was her favorite people. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah, the sad times. Um so thank you, Emmett. For yeah, joining us. for having me on. Uh, had yeah. a lot of fun. Thank you. And it's been nice, it's been nice seeing you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. In all the way from Moscow, as you can tell. It's been Adam a while. Adam's out in Moscow at the moment. Oh, Moscow, yeah. Hanging out with a snow. I'm getting my special vaccine. Thanks for that. Yeah, well, oh, for braving the, yeah. the weather for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for braving communication. I mean, now they can track you, you know. But, yeah, yeah. And sound. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't mind the Russians tracking me. No, no. That's the worst that could happen. You're looking forward to having 5G inside you or whatever. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I'll be <laughs> buying a Microsoft 365 straight yeah. away tomorrow to get my vaccine. Yeah, I'd say you'll upgrade to everything, Microsoft, and buy an Xbox and everything. I'll upgrade to, oh, I'll be a Microsoft. Guru. Oh yeah, I already have an Xbox, yeah. and I use Microsoft Teams. Well. Oh, my God, <laughs> you, you've yeah. already you've already been compromised. You're an yeah. asset. My, myself and Adam will both be vaccinated before the next show, so rather than Zoom, we'll probably be Microsoft Teams. Microsoft Teams, yeah, and we'll start off saying how wonderful Bill Gates is. And... <laughs> probably be a Bill Gates I, I, special. I think you're just going to be in the same location, but you're going to build like a partition to make it look like you're in different frames. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's it. So uh, cool. yeah. thanks a million for having me That's on. That's exactly really what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. That... So thanks everyone, and thanks. Uh, we'll talk to you soon enough. You'll yeah. be back in a few weeks again with another guest, I guess. I'll, I'll, we'll try and think of something. Yeah, we'll we'll figure One something out. Drag well, on. Well, we'll talk about who knows. Cool. Um, yeah, we'll figure something. So let's let's get us to number thirty in the Irish Improv charts. That's everyone, it. come on, come everybody. on. <laughs> Good. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye.